HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern T. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen, okay. I'm back in the virtual studio again. Big news this week. Big Breaking news. news. Breaking news. Hot off the French fry presses. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like uh, this is. I, I searched around to make sure that we don't look like idiots. Uh, it looks like Arby's, America's it's roast not, beef. It's yes, not a sir. November Fool's Day joke. That's right. Uh, uh, and by the way, do you guys know that the the acronym, right? Arby's, America's roast beef. Yes, sir. Um, oh God. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. Uh, they're they've launched two vodka. So they've they've always been known for, frankly, not the best roast beef sandwich, but delicious curly fries. God, they're and the best. so yeah, like they they're like I didn't realize they have such, sort of a cult following in the in the French fry lover world. Um, so their fries have been well known for a long time, and they're launching at the same time two different products. They're launching, well, three, I guess. They're launching now their new crinkle cut fries, and also two vodkas: one curly fry flavored and one crinkle cut fry flavored. Gentlemen, give me your thoughts on this. Where, where do you I, stand? I have you... so many questions. <laughs> I I I only have favorite parts of this, but there's so many. <laughs> there's so much that's unanswered about this story. I mean, the first thing that jumps to my mind, of course, is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Well, that, that, I mean, that, that's yeah. right out in front. Sure. But like, I mean, like, let's, okay. It does. Pinnacle's been making flavored vodkas forever, right? Sure. And like yeah. hundreds of flavors. Yeah. Unnecessary shit, you know? So. Swedish fish. Yeah. But like, think about, okay. I mean, let's get past the vodka part. I mean, like, are you a crinkle or a curly fry guy? Like, oh man, oh, curly, curly fry, fry all the curly way fry, for, sure, for sure. Because and for me, it's like this. I don't know. You can say what you want about this product, these products, but it makes perfect sense to me because some people dip their fries in ketchup, some people dip them in ranch. I have always dipped my French fries in vodka. Say, say vodka. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's like it. It pisses me off that I didn't think of it first. It's one of those. 
So, I mean, I mean, I would go into that same camp and say I'm a little angry. I didn't think of it as well, given that, you know, I'm curious. I haven't seen any uh, lists of the mash bill of this thing, but I, it must be a potato vodka, right? It must be. Yeah. I mean, but do, like, do you have to do shots of it out of ramekins? I mean, like, what, like, how uh, they comes, actually come uh, in little individual served plastic packets. So you got to yeah. rip the top and then just squirt them into your mouth. That's comes how it's, in the, that's comes how it's in the packet. Yep. Like the ketchup and soy sauce. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's. I, 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 I don't know. Really, like, what is? What do you think the goal is? What, what's the consumer kind of idea, um, model? You know, for this, like, is it going to be used in cocktails? Are people going to mix it? Like, oh, they be, like, on their website it says that later in. So this launches in uh, eight days, uh, and then later in the month they're going to launch their uh, Arby's uh, vodka cocktail list. Uh, wow. Not that you can get them at there, but the cocktail recipes. I shouldn't say list. Uh, uh, specifically designed around the potato flavored potentially potato vodka well i mean like taco bell has the the taco bell cantinas you know uh have you been to one of those like where they actually yes and they're and they're and they're delightful places but i think but this is different (laughs) this is very different from a taco bell cantina which is just an objectively wonderful place that we all didn't know we needed until it was there like i didn't know i needed a margarita while i was rating for a crunch wrap supreme but now that i have it i can't imagine doing it the other way Right. But see, here's here's my thing about the Arby's vodka. A few weeks ago, we talked about Mountain Sues. And I came in here <laughs> like guns hot, ready to just dump all over Mountain Dew, which I'm still pretty sure is just bottled incel blood. It's but slurm. but the two of you, the two of you blue collar shamed me into not dumping on Mountain Dew. So even though I think it tastes like the water out of the Gowanus Canal. I, I held my tongue and I was like, okay, we're going to like, you know what? People like Mountain Dew. That's totally fine. But now I, I see this and I'm like, no, like I can't, I cannot accept a distilled product from America's favorite purveyor of beef adjacent bro- protein slabs. That's going to be like, <laughs> how is that good? And second of all, the curly fries are fine. Why make a second one? Yeah. Who the fuck is going to look at the curly fries flavored vodka next to the crinkle fries one and go, you know what? I'm going, I'm going crinkle fries today. Right. I was in the, I've, I've come to this liquor store specifically for French fries that are going to get me shit faced, but I'm going to go with this slightly less superior version of it because I'm glad I have that option. Like there's just so much, there's so much that went into the thought process here that I do not understand. I mean, you know, here's another thought. No one likes cold French fries. So, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, make a toddy with this? Like a, like, a yeah. Curly? There's a I lot mean, of questions that are answered here. It's going to end up in Bloody Marys. That's about the extent of it. Yeah, I think my feeling on it is, uh, y- you know, it's it's obviously a gimmick. It sa- even right. says on the website it's a limited run. They're not doing this forever. Uh, they they are. I think what it is is exactly what Greg sort of alluded to. They have their curly fries, which have some somewhat of a cult following. They want to launch a separate fry for who knows what reason. Uh, and uh, um, this is a way to do that, right? Yeah. This is going to get all eyes pointed at Arby's, and then you got to be like, well, fuck, I guess I got to go try the new fries. And I will. I, d- I don't <laughs> imagine I don't imagine having that reaction after drinking their vodka. I mean, but I do. But I, I do want to. I do want to ask Damon real fast. Greg says he's been to the cantina at Taco Bell. Have you? There's one in. Um, yeah, I know there is one, but have Pacifico. you been there? Yeah, 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 man. Oh, all right. Yeah, I've, I have yeah. never. I, I thought uh, this was maybe 
something. Yeah, there's there. one. There's one uh, south of San Francisco on the uh, on the one right on the right on the beach. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's always jamming, man. It's it, they should have done that years ago. It's where, uh, it's where I spent Valentine's Day this year, fellas. It's uh, nice. It's, uh, everyone's always known. If, any, if if anyone knows anything about Greg Benson, it is it is a hopeless romantic. He's a romantic. hopeless romantic. <laughs> no hope. Romance spilling out of every pore of my body over here. He's hopeless or hapless. Um, <laughs> column A, column B. Uh, well, this all seems like uh, plenty of fodder for us to chat about until it arrives. So we'll have a whole other show in between its arrival. Uh, but uh, yeah. Arby's, send us some free vodka. If anybody yeah. from Arby's is listening, <laughs> we would certainly like. You to can try come on this. the show if you send us free vodka. Yeah, I, I'd get the, some we'll rep from Arby's. Yeah, I'd get a rep from Arby's on. Why the hell not, yeah. Greg? That's yeah. just that ignore like everything I said at the beginning of the show and and come on. I think they stand alone as the only fast food option out there that offers a horseradish condiment. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Stumped the monkeys. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's. I just thought of it right now, but come on, who else has Doesn't a horse? Rogers do that too. Uh, do they still exist? I don't know. I yes. feel like they only exist. Like it's one of those Southern things. Southern California. It's like, yeah, it's like seeing a blockbuster in the wild. Like they're <laughs> only in like the middle of nowhere, and you see them passing by your car at sixty miles an hour as you're going through like the middle of nowhere, Kansas, or something like that. So maybe. Yeah. Roy Rogers, if you want to come on the show too, and you know, tell us that you're not dead, we'll we'll, we'll consider the pitch. Let's talk horsey <laughs> sauce. <laughs> all right. Well, today, let's enough on. And then, and then, the, and then the pause where we all think, how can we possibly segue away from this? <laughs> I'd say we guest. come we come out of the, this world of fantasy and roll into another world of equal fantasy with our, with our guest from Doom Tiki. Chucky Tom, all the way in from London in the virtual studio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, so uh, nice to, to be on with all of you. <laughs> well, it's a ridiculous, uh, ridiculous segue, but uh, I, you know, <laughs> well, I think I think you're forgetting something very important with French fries, and that's the potential to put this in a delicious chocolate boozy milkshake. Yeah, oh. sure. As like a, as a like yeah, Wendy's wow. style. You're right. Wow, like a frosty made with this crinkle or. or curly fry vodka do you think they would wendy's and arby's would do a mashup kind of like a oh, taco bell kfc kind of situation i don't get the sense that the fast food <laughs> guys are as collaborative as our field of endeavor they did right they if don't there was ever, unrealized potential there if there was ever a possibility to montague and capulet that situation though i feel like i feel like french fry vodka is the the elixir of love that's going to mend those fences yeah. Uh, well, let's get into the show uh, and chat with Chucky all the way from London. So you moved to London uh, this past, well, within the past 19 months. You moved during the pandemic, right? Uh, yeah, I moved um, a year ago in October. And uh, moving myself and my cat uh, through Paris to relocate during the middle of a pandemic is not something I recommend for the faint of heart. It, it was a lot. And I was really lucky because uh, Black Tot Rum helped with uh, my move and everything. So I'm really grateful to Mitch Wilson for that. And um, flying, uh, if you ever want another business to go into, go into like a pet taxiing because there's a lot of money to be made there, especially if you're just driving (laughs) the cats through the tunnel, which is apparently something these people do all day long for thousands and thousands of pounds. It it was wild. 
Wow. Wow. Well, uh, this has been a great show. We've talked yeah. about French fry vodka and cat taxiing so far. <laughs> what else? <laughs> I think we're in the like the we're it's slightly absurd. Um, <laughs> so you left you you're living in London now. You left New York City. What on earth causes someone to leave New York City? Oh, I married a very wonderful man, um, Sergio Morat, who is uh, the UK brand ambassador for Four Roses. Mm-hmm. Um, we met at the last BCB right before COVID happened. And even though I swore I was never going to get married again and I would never leave New York, here I am. Um, So when he was working with uh, Trailer Happiness, they came over for a takeover. I was not impressed with him, but he bought me a lot of chinar and here I am. Long story short. (laughs) (laughs) Romance is in the air today at the speakeasy, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Yeah, we were supposed to actually get married at... um, my partner from Doom Tiki's bar, uh, Paradise Lounge, but, you know, COVID kind of messed that all up. But we were supposed to have a Midori fountain and a Chinar fountain. And we oh, were wow. just going to invite everyone to our reverse elopement, which was show up to our engagement party. We're getting married. Okay. Immigration paperwork is being worked out, but didn't work out that way. We ended up getting married over COVID um, at the Red Hook Winery via Zoom and then moving over that way. And it's, it's been a long process with the paperwork, but it's been a good one. You had a Zoom well, wedding? Well, there were 10 of us that got married. Or not, to, 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 I mean, there were 10 of us in <laughs> <Wow>. attendance. <laughs> there wasn't a it was one of those weddings. Forward thinkers. Well, I mean, I didn't. we didn't launch our cult then, but something definitely <laughs> in the process. But um, yeah, uh, we got married and a bunch of our friends joined us from all around the world. And because... City Hall was shut for COVID. We had to go through the, um, there was like a special project Cupid and they saw that he was leaving two days later. So they called us like 30 minutes before the office closed while he was on a tasting in the other room. We had to get a bunch of paperwork together and we had 24 hours to plan a wedding. So that's how that happened. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Thankfully, I had a lot of uh, my lady bartender friends that are great at doing pop-ups. And if you ever need to throw together a 24 hour wedding, that's who you want to do it. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, with uh, your brand work experience and and with his, I'm sure. And all your friends in the biz, like, you know, kind of used to being pretty nimble on these kinds of events. Well, we also had Jane danger and she's a whiz at making everything beautiful. So, you know, like she made my, I really wanted the, you know, different weird colored bodega flowers. That's the flower okay, theme yeah. that I want with them. Like what's more New York than that? Since right. so, she made it wonderful. So totally grateful for that. Very cool. So you've been in London for how long now? A little bit over a year. Okay, cool. Um, so when, I mean, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while now, but um, you've been doing so much stuff. I mean, you're always, you always got your, hands in so many different projects. What was, you know, Southern had mentioned Doom Tiki. Um, Let's talk about that because we, we've kind of like mentioned it on the show before, but we haven't gotten the word from you. So can you kind of tell us the kind of origin of that and and what it's all about? Yeah. Yeah, So the mission for sure. So I originally started because I was attending a um, Tiki related event when I was a brand ambassador and, um, as somebody that's indigenous, my family is Pomo from California, kind of north of where you're at, actually, Damon, and um, Pi- Walker River Paiute from Nevada. You know, I was raised with, like, 
a lot of cultural knowledge. My dad was definitely very present in the community and did like a lot of like fundraising and a lot of outreach and organization. So I always kind of had that going forward. And, um, you know, I'd always liked mid-century aesthetics, but there was always something that kind of struck me as a little off about it. And um, when I was talking to uh, Mariah Kunkel from the Pacifica Project before all this started, we had like a lot of conversations where there were definitely parallels as, you know, being people that are from cultures that are dealing with the effects of, you know, generational colonization. So having that perspective and attending this event and seeing somebody give a fake tiki prayer and realizing that there were a lot of places named like shameful or, um, you know, or pagan this, I was kind of like struck as a, it kind of struck a nerve with me because I was just like, well, you're calling something pagan and your bar is located on land that my people were enslaved by these Catholic missionaries and we're considered like wrong and, you know, all these other things like this is really annoying. I don't like any of this, so I'm going to do something different about it. So um, I ran into Austin Hartman at Mother of Pearl and I pitched him this idea and Austin being really awesome and just kind of down to do whatever. He was like, yeah, let's do this. So I wanted to do something that took the things that I found problematic, like all the religious idols from, you know, Pacifica and Oceanic cultures. Like, I don't like using that. Those are ancestral. Those have meaning, you know, all the like hyper-sexualized like imagery of, you know, indigenous women were out. And then just like a lot of the names, like missionaries downfall vicious virgin and things like that and names especially that were taken from you know other people's languages because you know for us our languages were taken from us we were punished for speaking them our children were taken to residential schools and you know it was assimilated out of them so for me it always struck me as like kind of highly inappropriate to take these words from other people's languages and use them for cocktail names when the people that have lost this language or still knew it didn't have permission for a long time to use them. So we got rid of that. And we decided to go with like a doom metal soundtrack because out of all the types of metal genre, like doom and sludge and stoner is stuff that you can listen to for a long time and like kind of chill with the rest can be a little aggressive if that's not what you're all about. So we went with that. And also, like, metal music is really huge for, like, uh, natives. There's, like, a huge res metal scene. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids, like, get into punk and, like, you know, those aesthetics. So it definitely spoke to us on that level. And we added um, what we call a fundraising element to it just because it's yeah. always been important for me to give back. And, you know, we've worked with different communities across the world. And then we also went with metal because there's, like, that fun satanic element. And... I really like that as a response to dealing with like what the Catholic church has done to, you know, my ancestors and my family. And I knew that using that type of imagery would shock some people that never thought about what this mug might mean to somebody and to actually thinking about it. The power dynamics are definitely different, but you know, it's enough to make people, you know, question what they've been doing without thinking about it sometimes for decades. So You know, we went forward with that, and then we've been doing, like, a lot of panels and discussions and things like that. And um, that's kind of formed into us kind of doing, like, a thoughtful tropical thing that I'll get into. But I'm sure you have a couple questions about the whole Doom Tiki thing. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I just have a question about the name because I know that the name Tiki itself has recently, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around whether or not we should even use that that word because it is uh, it's it's a sacred word for uh, Pacifica cultures. Am I am I right about that? Yeah. Um, so initially, we've always made sure that we've collaborated with people from different backgrounds, and our agreement was um, we would use it for a couple of years, see where the conversation is, and then uh, we're actually going to be relaunching and rebranding next month with something that doesn't have the word tiki in it because it's not ours to use. And, you know, the people that want to have that conversation to move forward are having it and they're doing the heavy lifting and they're making sure that the right voices from the Pacifica community are heard, from the Filipino community are heard, you know, that even like um, people that whose families have had Chinese restaurants can have conversations about all the things that have been appropriated. You know, so now that all of that's coming and, you know, there's like, you know, Fox News got mad at the work that we're doing. We got some write-ups in the LA Times. That's how you know you're on the right track. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. When the Fox News comes at you, you're, you know you're doing the right work. Yeah, it was it was very surreal. Um, Mariah Conkle and I were just kind of like, wow, they quoted everything you said, Mariah. This is awesome. And she's now the most punk rock person I know for that. But, you know. <laughs> As hated by Fox News. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's something to add to your, to your uh, CV or resume. But... You know, now that that's happening and even Disney, which I kind of use as a cultural barometer for like where we are at as an American society, Mm -hmm. they're definitely moving away from like changing the really racist things in the Jungle Boat ride and taking out Trader Sam. And, you know, there's that weird kind of, you know, American tiki lifestyle enthusiast thing that crossed over with like that Disney world. They're not all of them are not very happy about it. But, you know, for me, that that just kind of shows that we're ready as an American society to have at least these conversations. And then, you know, I still get lots of threats and mean emails and messages constantly for the work that I do. So, you know, that crowd, I don't need them to find me to have the conversation anymore. So it's not important for us to use that word to find those people, because if they want to do the work, then part of that is finding what we're doing and joining us. Yeah, right. It's not your responsibility to do the work for them. It's their responsibility to look inward once this information gets revealed, correct? Yeah. And I mean, the other thing, too, is just trying to help brands and a few bars that are just like, well, how can we be better about this? So, you know, I have some guidelines on kind of like how to steps that you can take. But, you know, the most important thing, I think, is just there isn't one answer there's not one person that can answer things because, you know, BIPOC people are not a, a monolith for everybody, you know, and I can't answer for somebody that's, you know, from that's native Hawaiian in the same way that I can't answer for someone's from a different nation, you know, on the mainland. So, you know, like you have to go out and talk to the right people, you know, connect with the community, um, definitely have like, an equal value of culture, definitely give back if you've been profiting off of these things. And, you know, one of the other things that I think that's come out a lot during these conversations is that some of these countries and islands and things that people claim to love so much and that they're being appreciative are dealing with like modern day climate issues. And, you know, like um, as Samuel Jimenez said, like, yeah, I mean, a word is a word and it's problematic, but I care more about what's happening to my community. So I like to encourage people that are into it to actually find ways to collaborate with these communities if 
they really care about them as much as they say they do and they value them. And I think that's like just a really important way to kind of move forward. And then also just like learning to say like, yeah, we got this wrong. Things are different now and let's do it in a way that makes everybody welcome because that essentially is what hospitality is all about. Of course. And I think it's a the great road to walk down is uh, leaning away from uh, cultural appropriation and moving into cultural exchange. And in that exchange, making some efforts to actually improve those uh, uh, areas of the world or societies that have been sort of impacted by this negatively. Yeah. And I mean, it's been nice collaborating, but I've really been kind of like taking the work that I've done with this conversation and then figuring out ways to empower my own community and then create what we've been calling a thoughtful tropical, which is just, you know, putting some thought and collaboration on those other things. And then part of that has also been encouraging people when they come up with bar programs to look within the cultures of their staff and use ingredients, you know, and storytelling, because that's what a really good experiential cocktail bar is all about is storytelling. But flipping the script and allowing the people that are usually taken from to tell their own story and share things the way that they want to with their own flavors and using like a lot of the blueprints for those classic cocktails. Because I think um, in Europe, the whole tiki thing is a bartender culture, whereas in the U.S. it's like this whole like mid mid century kind of nostalgia kind of lifestyle. And a lot of it just reminds me of like white privileged cosplay. So, you know, the fifties weren't great for a lot of us. Yeah, right. exactly. And that's, that's gotta be a hard pill to swallow for those folks who have sort of immersed themselves in that lifestyle without necessarily digging deep enough to understand the, the impact and, and meaning that it has. Yeah. They get mad. They send me <laughs> mean emails and I just delete them because I just don't engage anymore. Someone's always going to be mad about something I'm doing. And I think that means I'm doing a good job. Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, this looks like a good spot to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to Chucky Tom about the future of Doom Tiki. Stay tuned. Guys, December 1st is coming up very quickly. And you know what that means. Holiday Miracle season. season, baby. Oh, right. Miracle. Sure that, but also <laughs> world class is coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, December 1st is the last day to get your submissions in if you want to participate, right? That's correct. Are you going yeah, to be I, doing it this year? I am not. Uh, you know, it takes a Great. lot of planning and preparation. <laughs> it's a lot like running a marathon. You can't just uh, decide you're going to do it the day before. Uh, but, uh, you know, because it's, it's it's a big it's a big lift. And I don't, well, I then I'm out the because that's how I, I, that's how I do my life. <laughs> yeah, but, I just don't have the time right now. Uh, but, man, I encourage anyone out there who's a bartender and over the age of 21, of course, to jump in. Uh, I did it twice before. I had a great time. I made some literally lifelong lifelong friends from doing it. Uh, and uh, it, it's one of, the, one of the better experiences I've ever had. Yeah, and also you can go to DiageoBarAcademy.com, that's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com to check out a lot of the things they have outside of World Class, which is quite a bit. Um, you can go learn how to do large format batching and marketing, pricing, all these things that are extremely helpful for anyone who's running or managing or owns a bar, or even if you're not, even if you're aspiring to learn more about it uh, and it's not really offered on the job, this is where you go to find out about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think Diageo is a, a great resource for, for sort of building and padding your own skill set so that you are ready for that next position. When it and it's free. It's totally. so free. So, it's so yeah, free. And, and it's great to brush up on, you know, the skills you might want for your application. So, like Souther said, don't wait until November 30th. November 29th, that is our speakeasy-endorsed actual deadline if you want to apply. Two yeah. days beforehand. 
And yeah, brush up on literally anything that you think you might need inside or outside of your world-class application at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Do it now. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have my good friend, Chucky Tom. I'm sure we're all very good friends with Chucky Tom, but she's my best friend, not yours, okay. guys. All right. <laughs> not to make it a competition, but... Like world class. Um, we have matching tattoos. <laughs> we do have buddy oh, tattoos. No. You guys have buddy tattoos with Chucky? I, I, I didn't even so. know that. Which tattoo is it? It's a heart-tipped arrow on our arm. It's arms. the girliest thing I've ever gotten. Yep, Thank you, Damon. Same. Well, I was going to say, Damon, do you have do you have a pentagram tattoo on your neck that I've just been missing all these years? Uh, well, it's on the back of my neck, but there's always hair covering it. <laughs> um, That'll be the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, we were talking about the kind of like the genesis of uh, of Doom Tiki. Uh, can you kind of give us a rundown, like the run of show of what happens at this event, and kind of like where where it's been and where you've popped up uh, and activated this? So. When we were in New York, it primarily lived at Paradise Lounge, rest in peace. And uh, we would always do a couple of um, going ups with it, of course, because combining for charity is always the best thing to do. And we were actually supposed to go on a national tour before COVID hit. I remember and, that. Um, I've, loose- I've recently relaunched it in London. Um, Trailer Happiness, the bar that I do social media and some like merch design for and graphic design for was flooded um, the day after my birthday in July. So July 12th. And I'm not 40 yet because I did not get to have my birthday party because of the flood. So we're going to go with this and we're all sticking to this, but there you go. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed like a really good reason to kind of resurrect it, you know, and a lot of people in London had been following what we were doing in the U S and a lot of the media that we got, so we decided to launch it in August, and it's been very well received. We've had a lot of amazing bartenders come through, and um, you know we just did one on November first for the Native American Rights Fund at this great spot, uh, Lost Boys Pizza, which is a satanic vampire themed pizza <laughs> spot. And if you're ever in London, check it out. They have black pizza crust with pentagrams on the pizzas. It was the perfect fit. So obvious. Wow. You you don't have to sell me any further. Like vampire satanic pizza are like three of my favorite concepts for any spot. So I'm I'm in automatically. Yeah, and it's really a good pizza for being outside of New York. Like I've you know, I was really sad at first and then I've slowly been finding good pizza here. Mexican food is still they give Mm. you mayonnaise um, if you go to Taco Bell's to Taco Bell here. They don't have the Taco Bell cantinas there, huh? No, but they really should. Instead of mild sauce, I got mayonnaise delivered to me. It is mild, to be fair. It's very mild. Uh, I I would love to know sort of what the reception for Doom Tiki has been in London, because when I think of Tiki and, and frankly, a lot of its original sins that we were talking about in the first half of the show, I think about this very sort of peculiarly white upper middle class American version of escapism, this very sort of, you know, sanitized, like you could go to Hawaii or you could experience everything Hawaii has to offer at this strip mall in Columbus, Ohio at this tiki bar, you know, and obviously there's, there's more to it than that. There's innovation, there's craft, there's fun, which are all the things we want to 
hang on to about it. But the parts of it that seem very innate in what people think of as tiki strike me as very, you know, sort of middle class heteronormative white American. So what has that been like launching that in London? And has there been a little bit better reception to how you're trying to kind of retool this aesthetic over there? Well, luckily, a lot of bartenders are metal nerds. And uh, I've, a few, I've noticed this. Yeah. And, um, you know, even uh, one of our bartender friends belongs to the like the local satanic group over here. And they've been very nice about helping us with decor and, you know, making sure to explain to the new age, which is that, no, you can't burn white sage because that's cultural appropriation. So it's been nice for them to have our back in that regard. But, um, you know, a lot of people have just been really happy to have these conversations because they didn't necessarily know that they were out there to have. There is some history here. And, you know, even um, Trailer Happiness gets a rep a lot as like a tiki bar, but it's definitely like more rum centric. And it's very much like, you know, a great cocktail program. It's very immersive and it's more retro chic than anything. And um, Sly, um, the owner, Augustine, who's a, the reason I met my husband, um, you know, he's really worked hard to make sure that, you know, everybody feels welcome and is kind of like stepping into like the new age of it. Like there was a statue of a half dressed, um, you know, Pacifica woman in a grass skirt that he took down because, you know, it just wasn't appropriate anymore. So you know, people are taking the steps forward here. Um, they still have a lot of the catching up to do on the on the indigenous stuff. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I have to, like, remind my husband that, like, yeah, London is kind of like, I'm in the, I'm in the, like, cradle colonizer country. And, you know, some people are going to be ready for these discussions and some people don't right. want to take any responsibility of anything related to that. Like, so here it's been really positive and it's just become, like, a rotating cast of like awesome bartenders. We usually have 10 on at a time. And the next one we have planned is my favorite one that we do for Valentine's day, where instead of celebrating Valentine's day, we celebrate the death of captain cook. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Perfect. So, well, I guess, I guess that segues into a question that I really wanted to ask you, which is sort of what do you see as the future of what we previously would call it the tiki movement, what I guess now is, is, you know, the more tropical movement. Cause it seems to me like there is, like I was saying earlier, you know, a lot of fun associated with this. It doesn't, it didn't surprise me when you said that over here, it's a very kind of white suburban thing, whereas over in Europe, from your experience, it's much more of bartenders who are fans of tropical drinks because, you know, I mean, when I, was first learning about cocktails. It was still deep in that very sort of, you know, serious, like vest tie arm garter, the bartender doesn't speak thing. And tropical drinks were kind of a fun antidote to that. You had all the craft, but none of the sort of performative, like watch the bartender and worship at the bar sort of thing. So there's a lot of that, that we would, I, 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 I personally, and I know a lot of people would hate to lose about tropical drinks, but there's so much, it almost seems like a, you know, down to the studs renovation of the aesthetic that has to go. So where, where can it go from here and what can, you know, the, the, the white heteronormative cisgendered men like myself do to speed that process along? 
I think um, learning to embrace, you know, the thematic and ridiculousness of it, which is why doing something metal related made perfect sense. You know, the best thing about like metal bands that I like are the ones that don't take themselves too seriously and just going like all in on like, let's get a bunch of skulls everywhere. Let's, you know, make our drinks look like they're bleeding. If it's safe, let's breathe fire, you know, Um, and things like that. So you can keep all of those theatrical elements and also you're creating escapism. So escape can be a lot of different things. You know, um, there's Inside Passage in Seattle that just opened and it's and the job that they've done there is amazing. They even have a cocktail that one of the Filipino bartenders designed that comes in a vessel that's a rice cooker to like pay tribute, you know. So they're like all these different ways to kind of do that. Like uh, Shore Leave in Boston has just kind of embraced like a non- it's like a fun tropical like vacation bar in there. It's no long, you know, they weren't able to like, you know, rechange it. So they've just gone a different route. It's really like, that's the fun thing about it is you have some creative license to do with that. I mean, there's always going to be the old school purists, but you know, a lot of them that I've come across, they just don't really seem to like bartenders for people that are, have a whole lifestyle based on something bartenders invented. Right. Well, I think that, you know, even that is just, it's all fantasy, right? Um, but sadly, a lot of that fantasy was built on some tropes and some icons that uh, have their place in reality and they're misusing them. So it's easy to say, yeah, you're going to make it metal music and uh, serve, uh, uh, you know, satanic pizzas or what have you. That's all fantasy too. And they're both absurd, but one is absurd and sort of intrusive and one is absurd and just frivolous, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, that's what you want, though, I think, in any bar experience is you want a sense of escape, you know, and just kind of creating it. So part of good hospitality doesn't involve the native women is kind of the way forward to go with this. And, you know, I know a lot of other people are having the same conversations like we don't we want to do these things, but we don't want to use the term tiki anymore. So we're all kind of like having this conversation together. But the most important thing is the right people that whose cultures are affected by this are leading them now and they're being listened to. And I think that's going to be the key to whatever the next evolution is. Well, I'm really excited that you're sort of spearheading and being on the forefront of this. I I really enjoyed my time doing Doom Tiki um, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, And I think we, uh, you know, that was one of the earlier ones, I believe. And I think we, you know, perked up some ears and got some conversations going Um, to keep that conversation going with our listener. How can people find out about you and and what you're doing? Where, Where can we follow you? Um, usually just follow me at Choctails on Instagram. So that's C-H-O-C-K-T-A-I-L-S. Um, we're retooling, um, right now we're at Doom Tiki NYC on Instagram, but that's going to be changing next month. So that's D-O-O-M-T-I-K-I-N-Y-C, just because we've gone international. So there's some stuff going on with that. And then, um, another way to follow is I've recently partnered with Portland Cocktail Week to create more indigenous content. So follow everything that they do if you want to see some of the other stuff that I'm up to. Yeah, outstanding, because we need to see a little bit more of that represented uh, in, in the, you know, uh, the conferences and the things that we go to. And, uh, you know, those are the places that we're all hitting the ground to, of course, have fun and network. But that's where we learn as well. So that's it's good to know that there's educational components out there for, for our ilk, because we're the conduit to teach the public. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like I said, like this conversation uh, the conversations about the whole mascot controversy, which is just messed up. We need to get over it. 
And, the, you know, the same excuses that get used for the whole Tiki thing were very similar. So, you know, by doing work in, in one area, I've really been able to kind of take what I've learned from that and then focus it towards gaining more visibility for my community and, you know, finding each other and, you know, creating like more opportunities going forward. So, you know, it's been a really good journey, even though sometimes it can be a little annoying to deal with like people that are, are upset by what we're doing. Uh, you know, hard conversations lead to, to, you know, better truths. So I guess it's, it's all worth it in the end. I appreciate you being out there doing it. And I know, I know that the rest of the gang here does as well. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so really, really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. And I feel like we could keep on talking, uh, but we're out of time. Uh, but that just means we'll have to have you back again so we can talk about more uh, of the, the movements that you're creating to to, to bring indigenous uh, uh, peoples a little bit more justice in, in this small arena that we that we can fight in. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm glad that we finally got around to doing this. And yeah. it's always nice to catch up with you guys. Yeah, it's been a long time. For ago. sure. Thanks, Chucky. And yeah, come visit me in London. I, I'm, yeah. I'm planning on it. I'm planning on it. <laughs> well, I miss you. I love you. Um, I'm going to call your mom uh, to say <laughs> hi to Rosemary um, and catch up with her too. But thanks for being on the show again today. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. That's it for the speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Keep us going. And check out Choctaws and Doom Tiki NYC while you can until its next iteration. All right. Till next time, guys. Cheers. 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 So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>